my beliefs are in order for me to make a bigger impact, I'm going to have to give more of myself. Mm. And with that being said, I have this fear. And I think it's because I've seen my mother work so hard. She's a retired cardiologist and, you know, she did very well for herself, but I saw a burnt out workaholic mother who never had time for me. Okay. And so for me, what I've had to work through, which is why I do practice extremely good self-love, self-care, self-talk, self-esteem practices. For me, like I told myself, like, wait a minute, I don't have to burn out in order to be successful. You're listening to the Move to Millions podcast with Dr. Darnielle J. Harmon. If you're ready for high-level conversations that position and prepare you to move your company, cash flow and connection to and beyond the million-dollar mark, let's get this party started. This episode is powered by Shatter Your Income Ceiling, my brand new private training where I literally walk you through the framework that my clients are using to shatter their income ceilings. They're starting to have $30,000 to $100,000 months in their service-based businesses. Learn more and apply today at workwithdarnielle.com. In today's episode, I sit down with the Vasami Kumar. Oh my goodness. I hope you have a helmet and shoulder pads and knee pads. And you might even need some elbow pads because this conversation was, it was a, it was everything for me. Like I literally think that Vasavi will serve you your whole life if you listen into this episode. I cannot express to you how much my life just feels amazing right now as a result of Vasavi. Really have no words. And I don't usually come on here with no words, but that's just how good it was. It was so good that I was like, literally, as soon as we finish, I have got to do the show notes while it's in my mind. Because Vasavi is just phenomenal. She's so transparent and open and willing to just put her stuff out in the world so that you might become better. Vasavi Kumar leads the coaching industry with 10 years of experience and has helped thousands of women overcome major life obstacles to create new heights of success. Her work is known internationally from speaking engagements in India and across the United States. Vasavi is recognized for getting to the bottom of the intersection of self and business roadblocks, and her methods teach clients how to master the art of getting what you want by mastering your mind. Vasavi is the founder of the Mind Your Own Business membership community, a licensed therapist, and the host of Being Human with Vasavi podcast. She holds dual degrees in special education from Hofstra and social work from Columbia University. She's been featured in the Wall Street Journal, Fox, VH1, and was a regular on NBC's Kansas City Live as the Keeping It Real guru. She believes that when you cultivate a solid relationship with yourself, you can be, do, and create anything that you want. Oh my goodness. Like if you're anything like me, <laughs> grabbing pen and paper won't help you. You're going to have to listen to this episode two, three, four, five, maybe six times. It was that good to catch all of the amazing nuggets. There's something powerful that Vasavi pulls out in me. I think she's a vessel of light and she just draws the light to her. And so some of the best quotes I think I've ever said in my life, I said during this interview. So I just want you to get yourself together, grab your helmet Grab your shoulder pads, your knee pads, and your elbow pads, because I have no idea what might happen as you listen into my conversation with Vasavi Kumar. Vasavi, Vasavi, Vasavi. I'm so excited to welcome you to the Move to Millions podcast. How are you today? 
I am great now that I just heard your voice and like that was the best hello I've received in a while. And I think that needs to change for my life. Like, why is this the first time in a long time I've heard somebody say my name like that? I need to change that, but it's oh, so good I to be here. It. I just love it. For me, it's exuberance of life. Like, I can't be like, philosophy. Like, it just doesn't even sound right. Like, you got to just put some oomph with the Vs. I love it. I love it. I love it. Why don't you just take a quick moment and tell everybody who you are in your own words? Wow, I love that question. Who I am in my own words. Well, I want to first start off by saying that how I've been describing myself has really changed throughout the past few months and years. I'm a recovering addict and alcoholic. And I, the reason why I say that is because that was really the most pivotal moment in my life where I had to start looking at myself differently and treating myself differently because till I got help and I got sober, I think I always saw myself as somebody who was broken, who fundamentally held on to this belief of I can't handle, right? That was always what my mind told me. I can't handle pain. I can't handle discomfort. I can't handle too much joy. I can't handle too much money. I can't handle too much love. So I've had to really learn to shift that. By the grace of God, I think I know definitely my sobriety has been the reason why I now have shifted how I describe myself. And so, okay, who I am. Wow, this is going to be the first time I think I say it in this way. I am a very kind-hearted person who feels very deeply for others, so much so to the point that it hurts sometimes. I care about how human beings feel and talk to themselves and speak about themselves. And I'm a woman who has had to learn how to love herself even when I didn't want to love myself, mm -hmm. right? Okay, let's just talk about that. We'll yeah. come back to it. Finish telling everybody who you are, but that right there, I felt that in my soul. Thank you. What I look like on paper, I'm a licensed therapist. Uh, for 10 years, I'm a mindset coach. I work with women who want to build their businesses. And what I really love to focus on is releasing those outdated beliefs that have been holding us back so much in our life, in our business, and just with our relationship in terms of how we treat ourselves. I've been doing that for 10 years, since 2010. Yeah. I love it. When I think about you, even in knowing like the period of time where you had when you were in your addiction... Oh, you've always been a vessel of light to me. Like, that's what I always think about when I think about Vasavi. Like, I just remember all of that and everything that you've been over the years. And I love how you can, like your addiction, it's not an excuse. It's not a thing that makes you a victim. It is what it is. And you have overcome even that, gotten beyond that. Like it doesn't take away who you are and what you bring to the table. It's just something that you experience. And honestly, if, tell me if I'm wrong, I think it helps to make you who you are. Thank you for saying that. I had a guest on my show and she is a survivor of thyroid cancer. And she said something that I want to share with your audience. She said, I'm not grateful for my cancer, but I'm grateful for who I've had to become as a result of that. Like, Darnielle, I am not grateful for my cocaine addiction that I had from one day a week to five days a week and living a imposter life, right? Like I was yeah. literally telling people to live their best lives and, you know, doing all sorts of things behind closed doors. But I am truly grateful because as a result of my sobriety, the opposite of addiction is not sobriety. The cure for addiction is not sobriety. The cure for addiction is connection. I've had to learn how to become more connected with myself. And when I became more connected to myself, what I really realized, and I think it's the thing I've always wanted to ignore because it's too much for me to be with my greatness. Yeah. And I feel weird even saying this. There's that voice in me that's like, you sound arrogant. You sound like you think that you're too good. People are going to think you're better than them. But that's the thing that I have stifled within me pretty much since I was about 12 years old, I would yeah. say. 12, you know, like teenage years, middle school. I really appreciate you saying that. 
I think for a long time, I definitely used my addiction, though, to make an excuse as to why I couldn't be great. Even after I got sober, I said to myself, mm -hmm. like, oh, but I've gone through all that. Who's going to take me seriously? It wasn't just one moment, but it was a series of decisions. And it's still a series of decisions that I have to oh, make yeah. on a consistent basis to decide who am I going to be today? Which energy am I going to be focused on today? What thoughts am I going to believe today? Right before this conversation, like maybe an hour before, I was feeling some sort of way about a few things. I was just getting a little stressed out about it. Mm -hmm. And I said to myself, I'm not going to stay in this because I'm Vasavi Kumar. I know how to make things happen. Yeah. I am clear. I had to coach myself. Yeah, so I was going to say, sometimes right? so you, you got to encourage yourself. You have to get yourself out of it. And I think that what I love about all of that and everything that you just said is that we all feel that way. Like I have had moments where I come face to face with my greatness and I want to shrink back. I mean, literally like, yes. I mean, can I keep it real? You, my yeah. audience knows, right? But yeah, it's a burden. I've heard my whole life. You're special. You're different. There's something special about you. And then right after that goes the Bible scripture to whom much is given, much is required. Yeah. And so most fear for me, it was the fear of responsibility. Who am I going to have to be if I own up to the fact that I am the greatest of all time? What is that going to mean? And how are people going to look at me differently? And what are they going to be expecting from me? Am I going to now have to be dragged in lots of different directions because mm -hmm. I decided to stand in my greatness? And that, I think that yeah. is the reason why so many people don't go to their next level. Because the level that they are, it's not that bad. It's not that bad. There are good things happening at this level. Like, why do I have to go all the way out there? Yeah. Why do I have to be the upper echelon? Why do I have to be the example? Whatever the things we tell ourselves as to why we make it okay to shrink back and allow, I call it our inner incredible snatcher. The rest mm -hmm. of the world calls it the imposter syndrome, right? To allow that to take us there. We were talking a little bit before we got started about all of the beliefs, right? The, the beliefs that lead us to that place where we justify bargaining with our greatness instead of owning it because we literally have the ability to impact millions, Vasavi. Millions of lives will change because of Vasavi Kumar. Like, because of real. the decision. Because and of the decision that Vasavi Kumar made. You just talked about the fear of the responsibility, right? And so what yeah. I want to say to your audience is like, you know, Darnielle's fear or my fear may be different than your fear, but at the end of the day, it all boils down to the fear, right? So for me, it's not the fear. Actually, I will say this, that resonated with me, the, the fear of responsibility. It's a little, it sounds a little bit like, well, if I am truly great, then I can't mess up. So I have this fear of perfection, like, oh, well, then I can't be human if yeah. I'm going to be great, right? And it's so funny because I have a podcast called Being Human with Vasavi, go figure. <laughs> this would definitely root back to the second grade, okay? Mine is, if I am truly going to decide to be great, then I am going to be so utterly alone because not everyone's going to relate to me. Not, you know, people are going to think I'm braggadocious and you want to know something. And I think your audience may relate to this because I've had this fear of my own greatness and the fear of being alone. I have very much recently been really taking a look at what are the things that I do to smoke my spirit out? What are the things that I do to dull my spirit so that I can just kind of be like somewhat great, but not really great. And I do that. I, I want to smack you, but in like the most amazing of ways, because yeah. you just said like a complete mouthful. First of all, let me just sidebar and say this. I'm supposed to be taking notes, y'all. I am so <laughs> captivated in what is coming out of her mouth that I have not written anything down. 
So that means I'm going to have to listen to this interview again in order to get the show notes. Okay. Like, let's just say that because this is so good. Like, this is the reason why greatness is deterred. Like, I think about the Langston Hughes poem, right? What happens to a dream deferred, right? This is Mm -hmm. why greatness is deferred because we have fear of perfection, we have fear of responsibility. All of these things are the reason why we don't impact millions. I know, like we just, everybody take a deep breath in. (sighs) And a lot of us don't realize we have these fears driving us until we are called to do that thing. That's why right there, like that's when it rises up, right? And by then we feel like it's too late. Yeah. Because we've already committed to greatness. Yes. So it does now, truly start with the decision. Yes, it does. It yeah. does. And we have to decide whether we're going to go forward because other people are depending on us mm-hmm. or shrink back because we feel better staying where we are. And that is the ultimate duality, right? So I want to tell your audience about this. For anyone who's ever you know, dealt with depression, anxiety, any sort of mental illness, when I was 20 years old, and I'm 38 now, um, I was diagnosed with bipolar disorder which essentially is you have these two poles, right? You're either manic or you're depressed, your highs and your lows. I owe it to my upbringing. You know, I was raised in a Hindu household and there's a lot of talk in our scriptures about the ego and the higher consciousness, right? And so from a very young age, 18 years ago, I remember asking myself like, okay, so if I have these two sides to me, not like multiple personality, but if I have these like, two uh, poles, right? How do I bring myself back to a state of oneness? How do I truly become one with myself? And every action that I take, and I want to share this with your audience, is like, I always ask myself, like, is this the most aligned action that I can take? Because like, at the end of the day, Danielle, like, I need to be able to look at myself in the mirror. And I need to like my reflection. I need to be able to hit my pillow at night and be like, I did the best that I could. And there's nothing in me that's splitting me apart because when you're split apart, that's when you allow those voices to come in. That's when you allow those doubts to come in. But even if you're scared, but you're aligned and you're taking action, I feel like you're truly unshakable. No one can mess with you, right? Because you're aligned with them. Yeah. Alignment is totally everything. And it goes all the way back. Like I, I say this all the time, like you know, when we're born, we're vessels of light. Mm-hmm. We are literally, we come out of the uterus into the universe, full abundance. And that small nanosecond, whatever the amount of time is before they hand us to our, our parent, our mom, and we do the skin to skin thing. And we start to immediately become indoctrinated into the world of our family. And so yes. we're introduced to lack. We're introduced to fear. And sometimes it's not blatant fear-based or lack-based fear, sometimes it's, it's fear that you might catch a cold or it's fear that you might talk to a stranger. Like it's degrees of fear, but it's all fear nonetheless. And the way that our little subconscious mind in those first seven years internalizes all of that fear has us coming into adulthood, walking on eggshells, being afraid of our own presence, being afraid of our own greatness and our own power. And so we cease to exist in the paradigm with which we were created. We cease to be who God saw us to be before we were formed in our mother's womb. We never get to realize that person because of everything that we face when we get here. And then 
we realize that there's greatness in us. Maybe someone's been telling us all along, Lassie. Like I had Miss Dixon, my, my fifth grade and then my sixth grade teacher. She was the first person to introduce me to my greatness. She saw it way before I could as the angry little black girl who was pissed off because her mm-hmm. mom went to jail. She saw it and she was like, yeah, no. You're not going to be a little angry little black girl on my watch. <laughs> There's greatness in you. And I'm like, what does that mean? And who do I need to become now? And then I go home to my brothers and sisters who are like, oh, there's greatness in you. There's something wrong with you. Like it's greatness, but it's not a positive thing. It's a negative thing. And so we're constantly dealing with this two-faced reality of who we are. And then we become adults. And we cannot, go ahead, go, go, go ahead. Well, I I was just going to say, I I love that you shared that story about going home to your siblings and like your siblings obviously didn't know any better either, but it's like when you're that young and if, either somebody has told you or you have the voice inside of you telling you like, there's something different about me. There's something special. The adults in our life have no idea how to foster that greatness. Right. And so I guarantee, and I'm sure you've done the work to look at this. And I know for sure how I did this when I was a kid, I didn't know how to manage my greatness. So what I did is squash it. What I did was squash it. And you know how I always squashed it? I always squashed it by playing dumb. And I always squashed it by having problems in my life. I used to create chaos in my life because as long as I had the chaos, right? If I had chaos, then at least I knew where to put that big energy. I have, I have that big energy and I didn't know what to do with it because no one taught me how to manage it. So I always had chaos in my life. So at least I had a place to put the energy instead of focusing that energy on cultivating myself, developing myself. And so from a very young age, I think mine was anger. I think I hit my greatness in anger. Like I was pissed off all the time. Like, and that's a lot of energy. Like, yeah. Until I was like maybe 22, I cussed like a sailor. Like I had a big old potty mouth. Like it's so funny because now, like if I say a curse word now, everyone's like, oh my gosh, is everything all right? Like they're clutching their pearls. They can't believe it. But I was like, and that was the way that I channeled my greatness or hid my greatness. Cause I I like your word. I, I shrunk back in anger. And it's funny because even now to this day, I find myself flying off the handle of things that if I'm being honest and I reflect back, or an opportunity for me to rise up in greatness. Possibly. So, listen, mm-hmm. I feel like I need to send you a payment for having a session. No, you don't need to do, no, listen, you don't need to do anything. This is, this is a great conversation. I want to say this because I think a lot of women do have anger issues, anger challenges. I want to share this with your audience because I, I don't claim to be perfect. Right now, as we speak, I'm enrolled in a 12-week women support anger management group, Darnielle, mm-hmm. because I, like you, have used my anger as a way to really express myself. It's been very difficult for me from a very young age to handle that anger. What I now know, having gone through like three weeks of anger management support group is that every time I was angry, either at another person, but also mostly at myself. Yeah, always at myself. It was always because I felt like I'm not doing right by me. I was angry at myself that I had abandoned myself, that I betrayed myself, that I let a romantic partner talk down to me, that I doubted myself. And so it was just very, you know, misdirected anger towards myself. And so I think so many women, we're not taught what to do with our greatness. And so it shows up in the form of addiction, anger, uh, choosing toxic partners. You know, one is not better or worse than the other. They all... Uh, deplete us. They all deplete us of our energy. You know, I appreciate you sharing that so transparently. Yeah, my anger has gotten me into a lot of trouble. And so in my life and exhausted me. me So 
a lot. And I mean, it still gets me in trouble. Like I had just literally just had a fight with my husband. We don't need to get into all of that. He would die if he knew I was talking about him on the podcast. <laughs> but I, we like literally just got into a dumb fight because of my anger, because of my shrinking back in the face of an opportunity to be great. And so where does this come from, Vasavi? Like, what are the hidden beliefs? What are the subconscious underpinnings that are creating this environment where we shrink back instead of rising up? Where does it come from? I can speak from personal experience and what I hear with my clients, but it's definitely a belief of I am not seen. You don't respect me. I am not important, right? Because people, literally people kill each other over not feeling respected. Right. Like just think about gangs, drug cartels. Every war was as a result of lack of respect. Right. It's out of respect. So where it comes from, that fundamental belief is like, I'm not being seen. I'm not being heard. And so we get mad at everyone else for not seeing us and hearing us and respecting us. We want to feel visible in front of other people. But it's like, are you visible to yourself? Are you listening to yourself? Are you paying attention to how you feel? One of the best tools that I've learned, and it's like seems easy enough, but it's not so simple in the moment. It's simple enough. It's not easy in the moment is I got into a little bit of a tiff two weeks ago. One thing that I did was I just stopped because you don't have to react right away. I just kept telling myself, I don't need to react. And what I did was I realized that I felt angry, but then I dug underneath that and said, what, what am I really feeling? So I said to this person, instead of blowing up, which has been my tendency, I said, I'm feeling really rejected right now. I need to take some space. And when I said that, two things happened. Number one, I saw myself. I like I paid attention to how I was feeling rather than just being like this wildfire. Mm-hmm. Number two, I held on to my energy, right? Rather than just having it be all over the place. Yeah. And then I was able to revisit this conversation and speak from a more calm place. And I didn't just give my energy away because you know how the cycle of anger works, right? You, you get angry, you say something you regret, then the focus becomes on your anger and not the problem itself. Right. Then you berate yourself. Then you need to overcompensate for being angry yeah. and you're the problem. And then the other person never needs to change because you're the one with the anger issues. Right. Absolutely. That's so true. It's so true. And I think that, you know, and the reason why we're having this conversation, in case you guys are like, why are they even talking about Why are we talking about anger? (laughs) And the reason why is because nine times out of 10, and this is the word according to Darnielle, your desire to live life at the level of millions. And so I'm not just talking about the money. I'm talking Mm -hmm. about the impact. I'm, I'm talking about the ability to transform and change the lives of others. There's this greatness quotient that thinking millions represents for most people. Mm-hmm. The reason why the numbers are so staggering low, so staggeringly low, something ridiculous like 3.51% of all small businesses and, and ex- almost exclusively inside of what is considered the non-employer entity space or in solopreneurs, mm-hmm. 3.51% are the only people that make it beyond the million dollar mark. So that means the other... 97 or so or 96 and some change percent don't and the reason why isn't because you lack a skill set it isn't because you're not visible enough and you don't have a strong powerful brand it isn't because you sell low ticket or high ticket it's because you have hidden beliefs 
subconscious beliefs, mindsets, anger, things that are masker or things that are dimming the light on your greatness that you refuse to allow to um, dissipate so that your greatness can come through. You are literally afraid of your greatness. And that is the reason why you can't make the move to millions. It's not the money. Like what I realize, and I'm going to make this about myself. The first time I crossed the million dollar mark philosophy was 2014. I had been talking about doing millions from the moment I became an entrepreneur. That was a large part of the reason why I quit my good job to start my own business because I knew that I had it in me. And I set the goal for four years before I actually did it. And in there was a bankruptcy, almost living in my car and going back to work. All on the auspices of being a million dollar business, right? These are the things that happen. When I finally crossed the million dollar mark was the first time that I literally with every fiber of my being stepped fully in to being a millionaire, like thinking, acting, dressing, looking, whatever that personified for me, I showed up fully in that energy. And because I showed up fully in that energy, the beautiful thing I love about God in this abundant universe that we get to live in, as soon as you show up being, God immediately answers you with the response of you having as soon as. And so as soon as I made the decision, there's that word again, I literally became a million dollar business. A couple of years go by, weren't, wasn't doing a million dollars because I shrunk back for whatever oh, reason. I can give you all the excuses, mm-hmm. right? But then I decided to be it again. We did a million dollars in six months. Wow. Because it's literally just the decision to be with, sit with your greatness. That's the decision. Not to let your duality, your two facedness, mm-hmm. your ability to drive the car with the foot on the brake and the gas at the same time and expect to get to your destination, but to literally make the decision to sit in the seat of your greatness and allow that greatness to just permeate all that you are and watch everything just show up. Okay. So every time I've ever heard you speak, I get this like, it's like this electrifying feeling, <laughs> but I got to tell you when you just said this, said everything you just said, and, and it could be because I'm in a different headspace, like in a very good headspace. I felt calm when I heard you say that. And I'm just paying attention to how I feel in my body as I hear you talk. Usually yeah. you'd be like this, almost like this unmanageable energy. Like, I yeah. don't know what to do, but I felt like a, yes, like a calm yeah. Uh, one of the things that you said in the very beginning of our conversation was your fear of being irresponsible, right? Or, or this fear of responsibility. And yeah. so it's interesting. No wonder it makes total sense, right? Like if you've had that subconscious fear of the responsibility, no wonder it took you four years because this fear of being irresponsible or, or having this responsibility. Right, so right, you right, ended right. up, yeah. And then it, it so it just, that's why I, I just really want your audience to hear, like even in setting goals. That's why setting goals is so important, right? Because even in setting that intention and saying that intention out loud, you can learn so much about what's holding you back. Oh, even yeah. when you set those goals. It's, it shows up in your body like right away. Yes. I want to have a 10 figure co- or $10 million company, 10 figure company. Okay. We'll do that You're next. Let's do eight now? figures first. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then we'll do 10 figures. How about yeah. that universe? Right. <laughs> but like I was, I literally, I used the thought of having a $10 million business would immediately cause stress to sit on my shoulder. Now, however, because I'm focused on being a $10 million CEO, it hits different. 
I'm not physically impacted in my body by it. Like my body is like, bring it on. Like, let's take it. We can do this as opposed to the stress that would just literally sit on me and prevent me from taking the action, which will create the shrink back. I think that this would be beneficial for your audience to hear this because I have a six-figure business right now. It's been consistent. I've had to work myself back up. And what I mean by that is I'm not even talking about business-wise. Like internally, I had oh, to- yeah. Get, I was spiritually sick. Like that, There's no other way to look at it. I mean, obviously with an addiction and all that, clearly something was off, right? And so I feel so inspired by hearing what you say about you know wanting to go into the $10 million mark. And for me, the work has been, so I want to say this to your audience because maybe they are in the million dollar mark, maybe they're not, but I want them to see themselves in me right now, okay? Mm -hmm. So the work that I've had to do and I'm doing to go from six figure to that next level, which is the seven figure, this is what I have uncovered are my beliefs. My beliefs are in order for me to make a bigger impact, I'm going to have to give more of myself. Mm -hmm. And with that being said, I have this, fear. And I think it's because I've seen my mother work so hard. She's a retired cardiologist and, you know, she did very well for herself, but I saw a burnt out workaholic mother who never had time for me. Okay. And so for me, what I've had to work through, which is why I do practice extremely good self-love, self-care, self-talk, self-esteem practices for me, like I told myself, like, wait a minute, I don't have to burn out in order to be successful. So that's the work that I'm doing right now. And and it's it's important work too. Cause that was my thing too. I believed you had to work hard to make more money. And then when I first started making money and it wasn't hard, it felt icky. It felt used. It felt, it, it felt like I, I was doing something wrong. And then I realized that's because I could hear my father. Was your father? In my, you got to work hard for money. Any mm-hmm. money that you get and you didn't work hard for it, it's not going to feel right. That's why rich people, da, 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 like mm-hmm. I could just literally hear him. And I had to silence that inner critic and realize that that might've been his truth, but it doesn't have to be my truth. And that I can create the processes and I can hire the people that are the extension of the transformation so that my impact is felt in the earth without it having to be my direct connect because I've done my work to document the processes and trademark and do whatever and teach it to the people who are going to go out because you know I have this big mission I want to reach you know millions of people I personally want 5 million people to become multiple million dollar companies as a result of my work I could never reach 500 people on my own. I mean, 5 million people on my own. I could never do that. Like I would be on my deathbed. Like how many are we up to? We'd be up to like, I don't know, however many, but if I build a team and I scale my business, if I set up the systems where we could serve a thousand people at a time, you know, whatever the things are, if we could create a TV show that allows us to go into this many homes on a network, you know what I mean? Like I had to really start realizing that it was not, physically up to me alone Mm. to be the change I wanted to see in the world. And that, that only started because I started to really think like a CEO and I use bank of America. I don't know why, but I always use bank of America (laughs) as the company. I'm like, do you think that the CEO of the bank of America is literally sitting around trying to figure out how to talk to his client? Like, He's not like the things that we in this, you know, digital marketing space and these coaches that we sit and we ponder like real CEOs don't think about this stuff. 
real CEOs say, oh, we need to reach more people. We need to hire somebody who can help us reach more people. They're not trying to be the one who reaches the more people. And I think it's largely because of ego, right? We have this insatiable need based on Maslow, mm -hmm. this hierarchy of needs to matter and to have importance in us. And that spills over negatively in ego, right? We spend too much time in our ego and not enough time in our ability to, un to look outside of our ego and realize what needs to change. And all of this impacts our ability to be able to impact others at the highest of level. It all impacts the thing that we've been saying we want to do. One thing that I want to highlight is how you were able to distinguish that that was the voice of your father. What I want to say to your audience is like, that's a perfect example of you uncovering where those beliefs came from. Some of us are holding on to beliefs that aren't even ours. We are literally living lives that aren't even ours. They have been passed on down to us from generation to generation. So I think what we could all serve to give ourselves is time and space and silence, yeah. right? Like we sit in silence and we actually, I'm a firm believer in uh, talk therapy and saying it out loud, because when you yeah. say it out loud, you start to see the BS that you're saying. Right, see, I didn't right, curse. Right. I didn't curse, by the way. I'm trying yeah, to I appreciate that. <laughs> okay. Yeah, of course. Of course I do. But, <laughs> you know, when we actually say it out loud, to another human being, it really does help. They can be like, where did that come from? You know, right. so. Well, and you can hear yourself and then realize, oh my gosh, that was terrible. I, I can't believe yes. I said that. Yeah. Yeah. But I think one of the best ways to really uncover those subconscious beliefs. See, here's the thing, Danielle, most people try to change their behavior, right? So if you look at the person who's like, I want to stop doing this, I want to stop doing that. Okay. I just need to stop doing the thing. You know, then they find themselves going back to doing that thing, right? You have to understand what's driving you to do that behavior in the first place, which yeah. all boils down to what you believe about yourself. So for example, when it comes to romantic relationships, I am happily single by choice right now. One of the things that I've always said that I've wanted is a man to see me, a man to hear me, a man to love me and blah, blah, blah. But when I really did the work and I looked at the belief that was actually driving my choices when it came to romantic partners, it was always like, I'm too much and I'm going to have to overwork myself to make this relationship work. I had to make a relationship work, right? So it's always the burden of the relationship falls on me always. And so I always attracted people in my life where that came true. Yeah. And, and we will, we will always look for ways to prove our beliefs right. Even though we logically know that's not what we want. Yeah, that's good. That's so yeah. good. Oh my gosh, that's good. Thanks. So Good's how good. do we, how do we start the shift? Like, what do we need to do for those who are listening that will listen to this? and say, oh my gosh, they just perfectly depicted what's going on with me. Like, what are the steps to stop allowing those mm -hmm. inner voices? Again, I call them your inner incredible snatcher. Like, what do we do to stop allowing them to run the show and actually reclaim our greatness and open ourselves up to really sit in the seat of being fully who we're supposed to be? So I would say the very first step is to acknowledge that up until this point, you have no idea what you're doing, mm -hmm. that whatever you've been doing up until this point hasn't worked, right? Um, I'm going to take a page from the 12-step recovery process. First thing that I did when I checked into rehab and I didn't want to do it, I had to admit my powerlessness. Mm -hmm. In the face of this substance, in the face of this, I crumble. I have absolutely no power when it comes to that, right? So for you, the audience, you might be like, you know, in the face of 
setting big goals, in the face of money, in the face of marketing myself, in the face of whatever, just fill in the blank. I am powerlessness. I shrink. I become small. Like you Mm -hmm. have to confront it. No amount of positive affirmation is going to help if you fundamentally believe that you suck. I'm sorry. Like if you subconsciously believe that you are not worth it, that you are irresponsible, that you are not good enough, you can say I am worthy all day long. But if you fundamentally believe that you're unworthy, you're not going to believe a word that you're saying. So you have to acknowledge first where you're at. Accept your reality. Acceptance does not mean resignation. Acceptance just means confronting where you're at. Look at the reality of where you're at. Look at how much money you have. Look at your marketing. Look at your systems. Look at your mindset. Look at your self-love, your self-care practices, look at all of it. So acknowledge it. Number two, what I would say, and I think there's like a 1.1, I'm I'm actually going to get to that in a second. The second thing that I want you to do once you acknowledge where you're at is identify what you want. Just really, and like be as big and unrealistic as possible, right? Just what is it that you want? Do you want to have a personal chef? Do you want to have a $10 million business? Do you want to have three luxury cars? Like, I don't care. Just what is it that you want, right? Once you identify what it is that you truly want, that's when the floodgates are going to open, right? Mm -hmm. But if you don't truly declare and step into and say out loud what it is that you want, guess what? You never have to confront your beliefs because- Yeah, as long as you don't say out loud and proclaim what you want, you get to be small. That's it. It's permission to be small. We always talk about permission for greatness. You give yourself permission to be small when you keep your mouth shut, when you don't say what it is that you want out loud, when you don't tell another human being your dreams and you just keep it all to yourself, you get to play small. You get to. so good, Vasavi. So good. Like, I think that's part of the reason why I talk about... I mean, first of all, I love talking about money. I do. I think because we need to normalize the conversation. We give it way too much power. But I I think that that's part of the reason why I talk about some of the things that are in my life, because it it forces not only me to play big, but it also forces God to show up. So because he's not going to be a liar in anything. Mm -hmm. And if I put it out, if I keep it to myself and it doesn't come true. But if I put it out there and I put it on him and it doesn't come true, then it's like. He's not about to lose his track record <laughs> for me. You know, he's not going to start with me. So he's going to show up and it's going to, that's really good. I love that. Okay. So after I acknowledge and then I identify what's the next thing. So once you identify what you want, then the floodgates of all the beliefs are going to come through. And then this next step is like, of course, I'm going to preface it with all this verbiage before I get to it. Like this here is a non-negotiable. You absolutely have to do this next step. You have to ask for help, period. Like there is no way around it. There is no, let me just get the $297 course. I mean, maybe, yes, but here's the problem with that. If you have really never taken the time to address your beliefs, you could buy a course. And I think that could help for a little bit. But the problem is your mind is going to win because you have not trained your mind. Your mind is always going to take over and you are not going to win because your mind has been trained to lose always for you to lose, right? Your mind has been set up to keep you safe. I'm not, I'm not calling you a loser, but right. it has been trained to keep you small, which right. 
keeps you losing in life. So you have to ask for help, whether it's to join your mastermind, work with you, work with the therapist, work with the coach, work with someone who is qualified to help you really uncover those beliefs. Look at how it's affecting how you show up, your energetic vibration, the thoughts that you think, the actions that you are taking in your life and the inevitable results that you now have in your life. Like stop trying to do it alone. I would be extremely arrogant to sit here and say like, Danielle, I got sober completely on my own. Absolutely not. I had a sponsor. I was an intensive outpatient. My 12 step group, all the things like I needed all those things because I am so clever that I can convince myself as to why I need to slip back as to why I need to play small. I'm so good at doing that. And praying yeah, to God is great. Most of us gr- are, really. Yeah, most, most of us are. And God is great, but like, please stop thinking that just by praying, it's enough. It's not because like, you have to co-create. Yeah, that part right there. Like, yeah. tell them again. Because okay, so I'm telling you, if I had a, a dime for every time I said, I'm just going to pray on it. Okay, and then what? And then God what? God is already God. giving you the power. <laughs> like, yes. What are you waiting for? Are you waiting for the heavens to open again for another donkey to ride in? Like, what, what are you waiting for? So yeah, no, that's good. All right. So ask for help. And then do I do anything else? Then do the help. Do what no. the help tells you to do. Is that the next step? Okay. So I'm going to always use my story of rehab. When I went back to rehab the second time and I was like, and I was an inpatient, it is, it is not fun to be in residential rehab. Okay. Especially someone like me who's destined for greatness and wants to help people. And I'm in residential rehab with no phone, no computer, no money. And I remember telling myself, I never want to be back here again. I never want to be back here again, feeling like this. So I said to my counselor, Carl, Carl, what do I need to do to never be back here again? He goes, I need you to forget everything that you've told yourself about blah, 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 and doing on your own. He goes, I just need you to listen to every single thing that I tell you to do. And I said, okay, that's it. I need you to shut up and I need you to listen. And I need you to ask those questions. By the way, I'm not saying to your audience to blindly listen, question everything. I want you to question it, but question it from a place of, okay, how is this going to help me versus why should I do that? It's two totally different energies. Question because you want to learn and you want to grow. Don't question because you're resisting because you've been resisting your whole damn life. You've been resisting. Imagine what would happen. Imagine what your life would look like if you were to stop resisting all the messages that have probably shown up in in so many different ways, right? Whether it's that meme on Instagram or that Facebook Live that you do. Think about all the opportunities and messages that you've gotten that you've resisted. So imagine if you just stop resisting for like, let's just even say 90 days. Just stop resisting for 90 days and just do what you've been told to do and just do it. So good. Oh my gosh, Vasavi, that's so good. That that right there is the mic drop. Like literally everybody, I want you to imagine what it would be like if you just stopped resisting, period. And literally write it out. It would be like, and list all of the things that would be possible to you if you stopped resisting and just started going with the flow. Oh my goodness. I think you just healed a nation. Like hey. for real. Like I literally think you just healed a nation. <laughs> like you just set people on a trajectory to get their whole life. Like whatever that might need to be with each of these steps, but especially with the last, that last question after step four, which I wrote down is shut up, listen, and ask question from a place that will help. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> like literally, like that is it. That is so, that is so good. 
I don't feel like there's anything else that we need to say. Like, do you, do you feel complete or do you feel like there's something else we need to say? I have one last thing that I just want to say that I think would help. So the thing that, that keeps coming to me is I have found that the number one thing that people resist is the feeling of feeling proud of themselves Mm -hmm. and feeling good about themselves Mm -hmm. and, and truly like feeling accomplished because someone somewhere along the line made you feel small. And so now you've taken the responsibility on to make yourself Mm -hmm. feel small. That's Mm -hmm. it. That's That's all I want to say. So allow yourself to feel good about yourself. That's so good. That's so good. Okay. Just a couple of questions before I get you out of here. I was asked these at the end. So number one, what is the last book you read? Oh, here we go. The last book that I read is right here and it's called Inner Bonding, okay. How to Become a Loving Adult to Your Inner Child. Ooh, I love that. I love it's, it. It's beautiful that's for anyone. Margaret Paul. Okay. Yeah, that's by Margaret Paul. Anyone who needs to really work on their self-talk and be kinder to their inner child, which is the, the, the house of your creativity, your inner child. This is a great book. Okay. And then what is your favorite quote? Favorite quote is get busy living or get busy dying. It was in uh, Shawshank Redemption. Mm-hmm. Yes. What is the tool that you swear by to grow your business? Okay. It's going to maybe be a little weird. I would say my greatest tool is self-talk and mirror work. Yeah. Looking in the mirror every day and reminding myself of who I am awesome. and talk and having a pep talk, pep talk with myself every day. I love it. I love it. Thank you so much for being here, Vasavi. This was awesome. You're amazing. I love you. Thank you. I love you too. Thank you for being here. Thank you. See, you thought I was playing. Did you take your helmet off yet? (laughs) Listen to me. I know that now that you have finished listening to this powerful episode, you feel like I feel like you just got your whole life. There are so many powerful things that Vasavi shared with us. I think my favorite part was at towards the end of our conversation when we actually gave you a prescription for how to get beyond yourself, right? And the four steps were acknowledging, accepting your reality and and knowing that acceptance doesn't mean settling, right? It doesn't mean there's something wrong. It's just that you get it. Number two, identifying what it is that you really want and be as unrealistic as possible because that is what's gonna cause the floodgates to open. And I love that she said that. She said, if you don't say it out loud what it is that you want, you get to stay playing small. Number three, what she said was non-negotiable is to ask for help. Your mind has been trained to lose. So you need someone to help you to win. Number four, my favorite, shut up, listen, ask questions, but ask them from a place of how will this help you instead of a place that you're naturally in. And then the powerful question at the end, that'll change the game for you. If you let it, imagine what your life would be like if you stopped resisting. And that is literally my assignment for you. I seldom give out assignments on this podcast, but I need you to do your work and I need you to grab your journal. I want you to put some soft music on, ideally some instrumental so that there are no words to distract you. And I literally want you to journal for 15 to 20 minutes and imagine what your life would be like if you stopped resisting. I think that if you do that, you will open yourself up to begin the journey to make the move to millions. I'll see you next time. Thank you for joining me for the Move to Millions podcast. The way I see it, you deserve a business that generates millions. If you're ready to get started, grab our Move to Millions quick start guide and join our online community at movetomillionsgroup.com. If you enjoyed our time together, do yourself a favor, head on over to iTunes, 
Subscribe, rate, and leave us a review. Until next time, remember, millions are your birthright. And to access them, all you have to do is move. I'll see you next time. Take care.